0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the June 11th edition of Invest Talk. I do appreciate you being with me. Justin and I are dedicated to helping you become better money managers of your own money if that's what you choose to do. That's our main mission. Both here here on the program in our professional portfolio management practice, where investing meets real life, that's our job. You have to work within the range of your capabilities, right? We all do. I'm not talking just about skill level. I'm also talking about your time and energy, how how much time you can put into managing your money and we hopefully we can improve your knowledge that's the hope that we have on this program so you have to settle on realistic approach you have to you got to keep current you got to make choices you know within the range of your own personal knowledge so i'm here to sort out some of the issues set, help you set some of your priorities and maybe expand your knowledge base a bit now on the program today Does it seem like more Americans are working outside the traditional full-time job market? Maybe as freelance graphic designers or independent subcontractors or maybe Uber drivers. A recently released uh, report takes a a look at this aspect of our economy. It may not be as big a trend as you might think. So I want to talk about that a little bit later. But first, let's get to one of our questions. You may know that we have a 24-hour line and it's always open. I talk about it all the time. We call it the Lister Line. And here's a call that came in earlier at 888 99
2: Chart. Hi, Stephen, Justin. This is Jonah from College Station, Texas. We've listening to the podcast for about three months now. I'm a recent college graduate, 21 years old. I've got about $10,000 invested, mainly in mutual funds and ETFs. I was wondering if you thought this was the best strategy for someone of my age with that size portfolio or well, if you had any recommendations about how to better invest my money and prepare me for the long run. Thank you. I look forward to listening on the podcast.
1: I would say yes. ETFs I would prefer over mutual funds. But, yeah, you probably would want it with that at your age level and at that amount of money. You probably want to stay fairly aggressive in the stock market and don't worry about the down drawdowns. Not yet. You're way too young to worry about those kinds of things. So, uh, and therefore, you use, you know, indexes or, you know, you can even have one or two little targeted, uh, not targeted, but uh, uh, industry or sector uh, focused fund. But overall, be in the broader market with those ETS or broader index or maybe two or three, you know, small cap, big cap, you know, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, you know, whatever you, wherever you think would be best for you. But, yeah, you should be aggressive, and with $10,000, ETS and or mutual funds probably suits you the best. Okay? Appreciate the call. Good luck. That's pretty good for just getting out of college, getting having $10,000 set aside. So how big is the so-called gig economy? Now, the Associated Press has published a story that cites a government study that says the instance of people working outside traditional full-time jobs might not be as significant as it seems. A government report has concluded that the proportion of such jobs hasn't changed in a decade. So how, how many? How, how many are that? Well, the Labor Department report says that I'll show about 15 million Americans we're working as independent contractors, on on-call workers, temporary workers, and for contract companies. And that, as of May 2017, that's about 10.1 percent of the American workforce. But remember, it's we have the feeling that it's getting bigger, and in fact, it hasn't. It's actually shrunk from about 2005, the last time they put out this study. Yet. The Federal Reserve released a report last month that said nearly one-third of the Americans rely on side jobs or, or as known as gig work to supplement their incomes. So what, what's, what, what explains the disparity? And it was in a third. So in reality, the gig economy hype is likely overdone. For example, you may be able to grab an Uber in every big city, but that doesn't mean the nation as a whole is engulfed by people finding work through mobile apps. And workers who are contracted out may not always be counted. So it's difficult. A third report from J.P. Morgan, Chase, okay, they estimate the gig workers were leveling off at about 1% not 10%, not a third of the workforce. So everybody has a different opinion and research is not very good. So why is this important? Why do we care? Well, it's it's pretty important when you have uh, policies in place by the government to understand what the workforce really is and how it really works, not what they think it is and how they think it works. So they kind of need to know and they really don't. They don't really. Our main talking point today is tips, T-I-P-S, to help protect your portfolio. What's tips? Not tips, uh, stock tip or a tip of buy a bond or something. No, but not what we're talking about. Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Okay, that's what tips are. Okay, market remains calm. Have you noticed? What with all the other. News out there about trade war and the North Korean thing. Wouldn't you think the market would be either going up, down, doing something? But it's pretty darn calm here in the last few weeks. And did you uh, listen to net neutrality is now dead? It's gone as of today. The FCC, FCC decided to do away with it. What does that mean to you, me, and do we care? And finally, many people are house rich and cash poor. There's something new out there. Well, it's not really new, but no, hardly anybody knows about it. Everybody knows about reverse mortgages. Or you can just sell your property and buy something smaller. But there's another, one other thing you could do that's catching on and becoming more and more popular. So those are going to be the talking points today. But what really is uh, the talking point on every day is you. What do you want to talk about? So give me a call. The market was uh, up But it really fell sharply at the last hour or so. But it ended up being up, up six points for the Dow, 14 points for the NASDAQ, and three points for the S&P. But again, it sold off like on the last hour. It was, you know, the Dow was up much better, 50 to 100 points up. But it wasn't, you know, it was just up and down day. It really wasn't anything significant in any any way. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. Here are some words of wisdom from American investor, fund manager, and philanthropist Bill Miller. Great investors are not unemotional, but they are inversely emotional. They get worried when the market is up and feel good when everyone is worried. Now, that said, what's your state of mind? What state of mind are you in right now? Are you worried? Kind of. I am kind of worried. The market is a little too positive for me. What are you? I'm taking your questions right now. 888 99Chart. This is Invest
3: Talk. Steve is here to help you find answers and to see you through the decision making process. So you'll want his number. Call Steve now or anytime. 888 99Chart.
1: 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Mona in Fremont. How are you doing, Mona?
2: Doing good, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Thank you. I had a question regarding um, the UTMA account, um, the Uniform yes. Transfer to Minors account. I'm trying to open an account yes. for my minor daughter, and I was okay. looking up some information on the web, and I came across that there are two types of Um, accounts Uh, one is the UTMA and another being the UGMA so I wanted to understand what the difference is and you know the pros and cons so I can you know better decide which one is good for us
1: well that's a very good question because I don't think I can answer that I I don't really know (laughs) the difference of the two but, you know, both of them are accounts that money – it's an account you open up for your child. And this is for everybody else, Mona. I'm sorry I'm not answering your question. But people probably won't, don't even know what that UPMA is. Um, uh, it is an account you open up for your child, you put money in it, and you invest it. You, uh, as long as your child is a minor, it's, it's uh, their money, by the way, once you give it to them. But they can't touch it until they are an adult. And once they're adult, they can do whatever they want with it because it becomes their money. You, as a parent, can invest it for them until that happens. And that's what uh, Mona is looking at. Now, Mona, you do know that at 18, that money then becomes theirs, and they get to have control over it. You don't, if they know about it anyways. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's so, kind of the,
2: the goal is to have um, investments. Aside for them, um, and then you know have it right. grow through the years of, of them you know being a child, and then at the age of eighteen, right. um, you know, handing over the brokerage account to them and having them manage
1: it. Yeah, yeah hope. Yeah, hopefully they'll. <laughs> you've taught them how to manage it. And told taught them about money by then, and they they don't they just don't go out and waste it all at one time. Uh, right. It's a really good idea. Um, you can also do if they if they're old enough to work you can open up an IRA and put as much as money in the IRA as, as they earn up to, you know, $5,500. That I like that idea better, by the way. But then again, if, if your child's very young, they're not working, so they have no income, so they can't put open up an IRA. Uh, and, no, right. But they really and can't open up an IRA until... Um, uh,
2: my mother-in-law is planning to gift them some cash, so I was wondering, you know, if this would be... Uh, a good time to open an account and have it invested in, in their name. And, um, you know, also... Yeah, I, I, I like the that.
1: idea a lot, Mona. How about college money? Do they do you want that to be part of their college money? You can do a 529 program, you know, uh, for yeah, the so child. Yeah, so the other
2: question was, you know, is it better to do a 529 or, you know, just leave it as a atma uh, balance and, you know, have it invested well, um, I think you have well, more the flexibility with an UTMA account versus a 529, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. You do. Yeah, 529, you have flexibility in what you can invest in, but you but you have to use it for college. You don't get a choice to use it for anything else. You have to be used. Right. So I'm not sure what the difference between the two uh, UTMAs are exactly. I don't think there is a lot of difference, but I would be lying to you if I told you I knew and I don't. Sorry about no. that, Mona. Thanks for no the No problem. Call. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thank you. Let's go to Andy in Baltimore. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing great. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a
4: real fan of your show. I listen to the podcast all the time. And um, my you. question is, uh, yeah, and my question for you is: uh, many times when you talk about a company in your in your assessments, you look, you say that they got a lot of debt, and um, yes. I was just wondering if there's a better way to quantify that. Uh, sort you know in terms of ratio, for instance, against EBITDA or some other um, mm-hmm. m- measure instead of just saying lot of debt. Is there is there some way of characterizing debt that we can all latch on to a little bit better?
1: There is, and I can start using that numbers. And one of the reasons I don't, Andy, is because some companies that carry a lot of debt, it's a good thing, and some companies that carry a lot of debt, it's bad thing, and some companies have had a lot of debt forever, and it really hasn't affected them at all. So it's hard to say, is that good or is that bad? Well, let's say right. company A buys company B, so company A had put on a lot of debt to buy company B, but you know it's, uh, uh, it's when they bought it, it's sales doubled and incomes twice as much. It's so it's very difficult, Andy, to to get to quantify it as far as quality. I can't quantify it as to amount, but then that may not make a lot of sense. So I don't get to dig into it deep enough here on the radio show to see if that, well, that's pretty good debt. For instance, uh, Tesla has 222% debt equity ratio. That's very large for a company that's not borrowing money to make money. They're borrowing money to build out their car factories so they have a lot of debt 222 percent. you see i can give you a percentage i have those numbers it's just difficult i'll 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 start thinking about it andy and try to put some more numbers on it for people appreciate the call thanks for the comment i really like that you listen to invest talk if you have a question about any money issue on your mind anything financial give me a call right now 888-99-CHARTS
3: Let's get back to Invest Talk, made possible each day by KPP Financial. Matching investing programs to real life situations and real people, open to questions and ready to go the extra mile, helping you feel confident with your retirement plan. To learn more about KPP's investment programs, go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab. Now, let's hear your questions. 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to David in Fairfield. How are you doing, Dave? Just fine. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you fine. Oh, I'm sorry.
3: Um, my question is lumber liquidators. I'm kind of puzzled why for months and months uh, the stock has gone down. And now last Thursday when it took a big bump of uh, 5 to 6%, I can't find any news article as to why it took that uh, jump.
1: I, can, I didn't see anything either. Uh, there's nothing of import other than it could be the hype about opening is four hundred store. Okay. Uh, they have you know, the last report I official report I have is three hundred and ninety five stores in yeah. forty six states. But I know I know recently, like about a week or two ago, they opened up their 400 store and there's a big, you know who I read that too, oh but how Opening up more stores
4: wouldn't
3: make it jump five percent just for that.
1: Well it can. I don't. That, I said I didn't see anything either. But it can because there's no other reason. The recent sales weren't that great. It wasn't bad, and they are going to yeah, make exactly money. Uh, they're gonna make That's
3: some. why I say it's. I, it's just something
1: that puzzles me. Yeah. Well, maybe somebody knows something we don't know. Uh, yeah, that, that could happen. But it could yeah. be. It could be just got oversold, Dave. You know, sometimes yeah. stocks get just oversold. It. And you know people get excited about that. I don't think it's it's going to make a dollar fifteen next year and seventy five cents this year. Dollar fifteen yeah. and twenty four dollar stock to me is is not that cheap. I mean I. I got you. I got you. Uh, well, yeah, I appreciate your information. I, I, I wouldn't. Thanks for the call. Appreciate. Yeah, there's no articles out there. And the only, as I said, the only thing I saw that could possibly got a little hype and maybe push it up was they did open up the four hundred store just recently. But who knows? It shouldn't. Doesn't necessarily mean that. It does tell you when they do open up more stores that they're not shrinking. They're still growing. They're just growing pretty slow in a single-digit percentage ways range. So it's not that exciting. Tips. Treasury, inflation-protected securities. What are they? Should you even think about them? What they do. They only do one thing. One thing that they do well. Otherwise, there's really no reason to hold them. Because they don't pay very much money unless inflation increases. They pay a set amount. It's a bond. They're bonds, okay? Five, ten, or 30-year bonds. They They pay a set amount percentage, very small, but then they add inflation rate to it and adjust it every six months. So if inflation takes off, you'll make more and more and more money. Your buying power is never destroyed by inflation when you own tips. At the same time, there's no growth. There's very little. Uh, there, there's very little other reasons to own them because you can make more money doing other things. But you know, if you own a buy, you buy a five-year bond or a ten-year bond that pays you five percent. Uh, you're going to get five percent. If you buy a five-year or a ten-year tip. They're going to pay you like 1% plus inflation. Okay, but every six months it adjusts up if inflation takes off. So if inflation really takes off to be a problem, yeah, tips would be really great. But do we think inflation is going to take off? How fast? Remember, adjust every six months. It's great for that. But, you know, inflation seems to be fairly benign. I don't see it really taking off anytime soon. There's inflation pressures building, you know, because of full employment. And, but I just don't see it. it. You know, we see some inflation, oil prices, see some inflation there. So therefore, gasoline. But tips, there's not a lot of reasons to own it right now. Just not. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. We're going to talk about uh, why the markets are pretty calm in face of all this. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, just a couple of weeks ago, or uh, was even in the beginning of last week, the market really freaked out about the the uh, f- uh, the government was it Italy, where the government was uh, uh, having trouble putting. They may have to have new elections when they just had an election. The market didn't like that at all. That, that seemed to be much to do about nothing then. What about now with nothing? I would think it would be more, more dramatic with all the trade war talk and you know North Korea talks. Uh, more dramatic up or down. Nope. nope. i talk about why. Here's an investor term you should know. Value maximization. Definition. Value maximization increases owner's wealth. Owner's wealth. It is achieved by maximizing of the value of the firm's common stocks. Over at NASDAQ.com, they host a glossary of more than 8,000 investing terms. You know I like that. And I also like Investopedia. They also have a glossary of all investing terms. So it's a great story, a great resource, I'm sorry. If you have a question, just ask. Anything financial, 888-99-Chart. So what's coming up next on the next Invest Talk? Claiming Social Security at 65 can be a mistake. You may want to delay accepting benefit. I'll explain tomorrow. But now I've got answers for your money questions topics right now. Call me at 888. 888-
0: Our Invest Talk podcast continues. One of KPP Financial's solutions that help solve today's retirement puzzle is our balanced income portfolio. How do you get the income you need in retirement without the kind of risk that you don't feel comfortable with? That's what this program is all about, the balanced income portfolio from KPP Financial. And remember, as with each KPP program, the principles at KPP are invested right along with you. Would you like to know more about it? The Balanced Income Portfolio? You can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts, or you can ask Steve about it directly. Just click on the Contact Steve button on investtalk.com. Now let's get back to the podcast.
3: Duty now and expecting your calls on this Monday Invest Talk. Do you have a question for Steve? Your finances might not be in perfect order, but Steve can offer assistance and he'll do it now. 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is uh, Steven in Seattle. Just want to get your opinion on FMC. Seems like a good company seems like a strong company and also they're gonna split i wonder if you guys could look into the valuation of the company if you think it's a fair value now maybe if you should wait for it to go down a little bit and if you give me more insight on the stock split and um see if there's a certain date that i have to get in to maybe take advantage of that or if it's just free money or if there's some sort of catalyst to the stock splitting if that affects both businesses or not i uh, really look forward to your answer on the podcast thanks bye
1: Okay, I'm a little confused when you say a stock split. Stock split has nothing to do with forming separate, two separate businesses. Uh, it, it could be a, a spin-off. That is usually referred to as a spin-off. Another spin-off part of the business of forming another company. A split is, ne- nearly, is nothing but splitting the stocks. So the number of shares. It may be a two-for-one split where now instead of uh, one share that you own, you would own two shares at half the price it was at one share. So it doesn't change the value. It's a positive thing because usually they don't do that unless the price goes up and then they split it. And therefore, you know, it's going up, it's positive, and they split it. But they don't form two separate companies. That's usually a spinoff, and I don't see that happening. And I really don't see the uh, an FMC Corporation, uh, FMC being the symbol, they manufacture agriculture, industrial consumer chemicals such as insecticides, herbicides, fungicides, that kind of thing. They are a $12 billion company, so they're quite large. The earnings have been growing 11, 12 percent per year every year, and sales really jumped up in the March quarter, 103 percent. Before that was up 42 percent. Before that was up 3 percent. A, a, a year ago, uh, you know, back in 2016, sales were shrinking. So that's a great turnaround by the company, and the stock price has been reflecting it. Uh, they used to be, you know, back in 2016, the stock price was around, um, you know, high 30s, low 40s. Today, it's, you know, 88. So, now, the peak at 98 fell all the way down to 74, now it's coming back up. Um, and it's fairly valued. It's not overvalued. It's not undervalued. They're going to make $6.81 on an $88 stock. So, I consider that fairly valued. I doubt if they, remember, I doubt if they can keep this kind of 100% growth up. That's not going to happen. Remember, it's a $12 billion company in an industry that has lots of compa- competition. So it's not like they can constantly do that. They don't pay a huge dividend either, but they have a very good return on equity at 16%. Uh, not too much debt at 100% debt equity ratio. So it, it, you know, I, I need to see what that debt is. I, I'm a little uncomfortable with that high of the debt for this kind of company. But you know it's a good solid company. I just don't think. I mean, selling four times book value, and we don't have to talk about that much. But that's kind of on the high side here. So uh, I'm I'm not too keen on the stock FMC myself. Eighty-eight ninety-nine chart. So uh, why do the markets remain calm uh, during all this stuff going on with a trade war talk? Uh, you know, uh, the the Trump meeting with. Kim Jong-un, or whatever his name is, uh, in in Singapore. Uh, why isn't the market reacting to this more violently, up or down? I'm, I'm not even, you know, it seems like the trade talk and the, the is just not worrying the market at all. And that this North Korea thing, maybe because the North Korea thing is a win-win situation. Let's say that falls apart. Let's say it falls apart. What bad can happen from that? What, how's that going to hurt any world economy? I mean, North Korea is not part of anybody's economy, basically. I mean, they're so tiny. And so they're not going to hurt us economically, whether we get the anything done or not. So that's no big deal. Trade talk, I don't think, there's been a lot of talk, but not much, not much, much action. Everybody's, you know, rattling their sabers, ah, you know, but nothing really has happened. What might be more important, and that's what's coming up, is the Fed meeting, when they're probably going to raise rates. And what are they going to say after they raise the rate again? See, I think they should stop raising them, personally. I think one more time is plenty. They don't have to do it again until for six months, eight months, wait till next year to think about raising them But I don't think they're going to do that. So what is their plan? Are they cha- going to change it? The economic numbers, the e- our economic numbers are looking very, very good. So maybe they're going to accelerate. You know, we're so used to a quarter point at a time when they meet and raise the rates or lowers the rates. I mean, for years and years, what, decades? Decade or two? That's what they did. I remember, and I guess it really dates me, they would raise it half a percent sometimes or more, you know, depending on what the situation was. But this quarter percent, you know, is fairly... Well, I don't say fairly new, but it certainly hasn't been the way it always been. <laughs> it has not. Now we all know it's going to be a quarter point. Who's the last time you ever heard anybody say, "Hey, what if they lowered or raised it a half a point?" And you know they don't have to do it after the meeting. They used to do it in between meetings. Sometimes they just raise it in between the meetings. They didn't do it after each uh, after the meetings. They could raise it whenever or lower it whenever they want to. The Federal Reserve Chairman gets on the phone, calls the other voting members, and they say, okay, let's do it, and they can do it. And announce it tomorrow. They don't have to have a meeting that's all out there and everybody knows about it. These are fairly recent things to try to be more transparent to you, the public. Us, the public, I should say. So that's new. Anyway, so the I think the Fed meeting is probably more important than the Trade talks and what's going on in North Korea as far as the market reacting. Not more important as to, you know, the long-term health of the economy or, you know, good for the world. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stock prices not being moving up or down. It's kind of sideways. 888 99 is our number, everybody. I'd love to talk to you. Anytime you want to give me a call, talk about something financial, use our number. 888-992-4278. Now, at some point, the notion to review your retirement portfolio will come to your mind. It will. Usually, uh, we all wait a little bit too long to do that, but it will. And the best way to get uh, that accomplished is to have someone else look at it like myself, be more objective. Someone who's not trying to sell you a point of view, by the way. Just be objective about your lifestyle, where you're going, do you have enough money, how many more years you got left to save, are you saving enough, have you thought about health care in retirement, have you thought about the things that are going to cost money and how to get rid of debt and all those things. Well, you can meet with me if you like. You can do it in person in our offices or on phone or even Skyping, even though I don't care for Skyping too much, probably just old. There's no cost or obligation of any kind. To set up a time that works for both of us, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab, then Portfolio Review.
3: Sometimes the most difficult questions are those closest to home, like the best time to downsize, remodel, or refinance. InvestTalk's Justin Klein is a licensed real estate consultant and he'd be happy to help you answer the difficult but important questions. Just click on the contact Justin link on investtalk.com. Hey guys, love your show. I'm calling in to ask your opinion on Coca-Cola company kicker symbol KO as well as Nokia NOK. I'm fairly young, 28 years old. I've been aggressive in the growth side, but I'm slowly diversifying a little bit more into value, and uh, I like what they have to offer long-term, so I just wanted to your opinion on it and see where they are headed uh, over the next couple of years and any interesting news uh, that may
1: cause a spike in their uh, their price. Uh, look forward to hearing your response on the show. Thanks, guys. Well, two very different companies, Coca-Cola and Nokia, K-O for Coca-Cola and Nokia, is N-O-K for the symbols. Um, and you know, I don't know if I would consider Nokia a value stock. Um, Nokia bo- worries me. It worries me because um, they have trouble maintaining their growth rate, It's some t- their profit. They're all over the place. Now, Coke bothers me because their sales have been shrinking pretty consistently for two years every quarter because people are moving away from the, the uh, carbonated drinks. Now, Coca-Cola has a huge business in non carbonated drinks, but it just is a concern. Coke is a lot more, uh, I think Coke is fairly cheap uh, when it comes to their uh, PE ratio. Uh, Nokia is a little bit more expensive. Go, looking forward, Coke is going to make $2.27 dollars 27 And it's a $44 stock. So it's still, you know, I shouldn't say cheap. It's still, you know, fairly priced. You just get 3.5% dividend yield from it, uh, which I like a lot. On Nokia, you know, whoops. Come on. On Nokia, it's a $5.90 stock. And they're going to make $0.39 next year so uh and their pe is lower but they're they're more radical in their sales and earnings up and down than coca-cola uh, neither one of them really are that exciting to me mm-hmm. neither one I, I wouldn't recommend buying either one at this stage coca-cola because of their shrinking of sales and even though the long term they're not going anywhere but I just don't, you know, I just don't like the sales for two years every quarter is falling. Uh, Nokia, their sales are jumping or falling, you know, but it's kind of erratic. And that's why I don't like Nokia. And plus, you know, Nokia develops, you know, it's a telecom infrastructure, mobile, broadband, you know, digital. That The competition is really tough there in that business. So I don't care for either one of them. I guess that's bad, huh? I'm telling you, I, I would not. I think you should look elsewhere. That's what I'm telling. you. For either one, I don't I don't really like them. 99 chart 888-992-4278. Okay, net neutrality got written was gone now. The FCC made the decision to do away with net neutrality. You know what net neutrality? What does that mean? Well, it's a good. What it means is is that companies who provide uh uh internet access can charge now based on usage or speed of the access you get you want before er, they they couldn't they could not base their charges on how much you use and this, and how fast your your downloads are and of course companies like Verizon likes this doing away with net neutrality Verizon AT&T are, those companies that have the pipes that provide the internet connection, the phone connection, whereas companies like Google and Facebook, they don't like it. YouTube, Netflix, well, Netflix, I not like it at all because they use so much data downloading their movies, right? They use a lot more than you or I do because they provide all the movies to everybody online. So they would use a lot more data and they get the same speed you and I do. And so, uh, you know, you, you can argue both sides. It, you know, it, should they be allowed to charge? If, if, if Netflix uses a thousand times more bandwidth than I do, and you have to provide the same speed at the same price for them than they do me, is that fair? Or, you know, uh, I mean, that's really the question. Is that fair? The worry is, is that startup companies trying to start up a business on the internet using high-speed data will have a harder time because now they have to pay. They may have to pay higher rates for that. Is that bad? I don't. No. I. No one really can tell me whether it's good or bad. I mean, you have arguments on both sides. And I, whenever I see that, I don't. I'm not convinced either way. I say don't make more laws. Make you let the market determine what's going to happen. Don't go. I don't want. I hate it when government decides winners and losers. Now, if I also don't believe in monopolies, we got to get rid of all monopolies. And therefore, if there's only a very few companies providing data over the airwaves, like you know Verizon, AT and T, and and that's about it. Well, there's a concern because then you have a monopolistic kind of Situation And that is never good for business or for an economy. But what do you do about that? Well, you can break them up. AT&T has broken up before. Remember that? With the 12 bells back in the 1970s? AT&T used to be the only phone company. It was a legal monopoly. And then they broke it up. And all of a sudden, phone bills were much cheaper because there was competition. You probably don't remember that, but I do. Same with the airlines. When President Reagan broke the back of, uh, anyways, uh, of airlines uh, and allowed much more competition because they their rates were regulated back then. And so it cost $1,000 to fly from here to New York back then, 30, 40 years ago. What does it cost now to fly from here to New York? <laughs> you see? I mean, much cheaper. Competition is good. You want competition. 888 99 char is our number, everybody. We have time for one more call. Maybe two if you're lucky. But you can squeeze in if you want. we already got the last set. Segment. Segment's coming up. Brandon, we'll pick you up right after the break. So hang on, okay? I sure like to speak with you. I really do. You got so one more person get in besides Brandon. Please make yourself heard by calling 888-99-CHART. Here's another
0: benefit when you sign up for our Invest Talk Insider Program, a brief list of real estate investment trusts, REITs, that should be on investors' radar if they're looking for exposure to this dividend-focused sector. You can sign up for this free Invest Talk Insider Program on investtalk.com.
3: Invest Talk claiming Social Security at 65 can be a mistake. That's tomorrow. Get ready to call Steve now. He's here and waiting to answer your financial questions.
1: The lines are open 888 99 chart. Brandon, I really appreciate you holding on. Thank you very much. Brandon Mill Valley.
4: Uh, Steve, you're well worth holding on for.
1: Well, thanks.
4: Uh, before I get into my stock, I would just like to say a couple of small things about the net neutrality. Uh, a sure. there's a lawsuit sure. where they're trying to stop the FCC's attempt to do this. And if they allow it, if it if they lose the court battle, uh, I see a, a multi-tiered system where the monopoly charges more money.
1: Well, uh, well, first of all, we don't have a monopoly yet. Uh, but I can't understand why they think that they can sue and take away FCC responsibility because that is their responsibility to make those rules or not make those rules. So I'm not sure where the lawsuit was going with that, but I'm not a lawyer, so you know I don't know all that ins and outs. But we'll see how it goes. You all want right. to talk about Dominion and
4: then today, uh, symbol D, I am. I looked at the chart. It's down there. It's low for the year, and uh, I wondered what was so positive about it.
1: I kind of like it here. I realize it's fallen from 83 all the way down to 63. Dominion Energy, everybody, engaged in power generation, electricity and gas utility services in the Northeast and Mid Atlantic. It's a 40 excuse me, 41 billion dollar company. Uh, sales are growing. It's a utility. Their sales are going to be small. The sales are growing only about 2 to 4%. And earnings, you know, it's been kind of flat. But recently, this most recent quarter went up 18%. Before that, they were falling, you know, the last two, three quarters. You buy this company because of the dividend. The dividend is at 5.3%. 5.3% the current price. That is about 75% of the earnings. In other words, the... Uh, the uh, the uh, payout ratio is about 75. It's a little more than I like, but utilities are usually higher, so I'm comfortable enough with it. Return equity is pretty good at 14% for a utility. Utilities usually carry higher debt because they constantly have to improve and pay uh, pay up for their facilities, which you know you just accept that. Again, you buy this for the dividend. If you can want if you don't mind holding on to this thing at 5.3% and hold on to it for a number of years you know the lowest it's ever gone and that back in 2011 and since 2011 as far as I go back is $42 the highest it's ever gone is $85 and that was last year and right now it's at 63 so and earnings have been consistently going up over the last 5 7 years so I kind of think this is a pretty good price for it It looks like it's trying to put in the bottom, go sideways. If you want the dividend, Brandon, this would be where you want to buy it, if you're looking for that dividend. Don't look for growth, though. It might go back up to the 80s, but, you know, I think it has a good shot of, basically, going into the 70s. I think it's underpriced at where it is today. Okay?
4: That uh, sounds good to me, Steve. And uh, oh, I'd like to thank you fun. for your analysis on Nectar a few weeks ago. Okay, that was uh, well, you Almost like you were looking in a crystal ball.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? If, could I have one of those? <laughs> I would love that. Uh-huh. If, I would one, it on that Brandon, if I had one, yes, and if I will tell you that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you much. It. Thank you for the thank you for the call. I, if I had a crystal ball, I'd be using it like heck. That ball, that ball, be warm. Eight eight nine I'd have very very happy clients <laughs> just don't have it this doesn't happen okay have you are you house rich but cash poor more and more older citizens like myself are house rich and cash poor that's not common now and uh, you know there's point where you'd need the money. There could be some disasters happen in your life, or you're just getting older and things are getting more expensive and you're on a fixed income. Well, the choices you had was either sell the house and buy something cheaper or do a reverse mortgage. If you wanted to stay in the house, the reverse mortgage was the way to go. There is a third possibility. There's a comp- company or two out there that will s- buy a pr- part ownership in your house. If you have fifty percent or more equity in your house, they'll buy ownership, part ownership in your house, and it's negotiable. Depends on how much money you need, uh, but you can get several hundred thousand dollars, and they own your house with you. That's a good way to do it if you want to stay in the house. Okay, that's the program today. But you can listen again anytime you want on the, on the podcast online podcast. This show will be replayed. Uh, You can have it downloaded and play it anytime you want. Just go to investtalk.com, download it. Scroll down to the page and you'll see podcast player right there on the front page. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. Justin Klein and I thank you for making us part of your daily program. We, We do appreciate it. And we'll do it again tomorrow.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a perspectives before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions
4: on our 24 hour listening line.